Welcome back to JG Ministries Bible Study. We're going to begin by finishing up chapter 1 of James and then start unpacking chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to verse 26. Verse 26 says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Now, finishing up chapter 1, we talk about pure religion, a magnificent passage where James points out three specific areas where truth should be put into practice. In verse 26, the tongue is involved again. An uncontrolled tongue in a Christian is a terrible thing, so be sure to guard against it. Speech is the first point that James talks about. James is speaking of a person who considers himself religious. This word denotes one who performs the external acts of religion, such as public worship, fasting, or given to the needy, but he exerts no control or restraint on his speech or what he says. Now, how exactly this person's speech is offensive is not indicated. It could have been cutting criticism of others by uncleanliness, by dishonesty, or some other way or a combination, but regardless, an uncontrolled tongue in a religious person indicates that his or her religion is useless. In living like this, he deceives himself. The religion of those who think they are religious, but don't control their, their tongues, is vain. The religion that does not influence the tongue is not a true or a vital religion. Now here in verse 27, to finish out chapter 1, we find out what God is looking for. God is looking for the practical type of godliness which puts a compassionate interest in others and keeps one's life clean. The kind of religion that God our Father accepts is the kind that exerts a positive influence on one's life. The second point that James makes is putting faith into practice. Now this verse doesn't give us a definition of religion. Instead, it presents a concrete way of insisting that genuine religion is a life-changing force. One's religion should be more than external, it must spring forth from within, and it must express itself outwardly. It springs from an inner spiritual reality that expresses itself in love to others and holiness before God. Now, James does give us a specific example of love by taking care of orphans and widows. This is more than just visiting them or visiting the sick. It's caring deeply for their needs. This is faith expressing itself through love. The third point that James makes of putting faith into practice is that one whose religion is genuine will also avoid being polluted or unspotted by the world. The world here describes the total system of evil that spreads to every sphere of human existence and is set in opposition to God 
and to righteousness. Now James says that anyone who claims to have saving faith, but whose life lacks any evidence of doing good in keeping with that claim, actually had dead faith, which is not true saving faith at all. We can't say we believe in Jesus and then live like the devil. Otherwise, we would show that we really have no faith at all. Now, works reveal our faith. Works do not save us, but they're a pretty good evidence that we are saved. For example, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, it says, Whatever you did for one of the least of my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now, this is not a saving text, but it is a sign text. What Jesus did is our salvation. What you do is proof of it. Keep faith and works in their proper place. James, in effect, says the faith you have is the faith you show. A person whose religious experience is genuine will put spiritual truth into practice, and one's life will be marked by love for others and holiness before God. To summarize this all up, a person's religion must consist of more than superficial acts. It's not enough to listen to the statement of spiritual truth, nor is it sufficient to engage in formal religious activity. The person whose religious experience is genuine will put spiritual truth into practice, and one's life will be marked by love for others and holiness before God. Now that's just chapter 1. Chapter 2, we're going to be talking about Christianity is a brotherhood. James tells us to beware of personal favoritism, the condemnation of partiality, if you will. There is no place in Christianity for snobbishness or discrimination. Before in chapter 1, James showed the importance of putting spiritual truth into practice. Now in chapter 2, James is going to show how partiality or discrimination violates the standard of God's truth. There must have been a worldly element in the church to call forth such words as these. Christ taught that the glory of his church would be its kindness to the poor, but evidently some of the congregation were developing into social cliques in which the poor were given to understand they were not wanted, or at best, they just weren't tolerated. But God loves the poor and the rich, and they ought to love each other. Now, Christianity is a brotherhood that has no respect of persons. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means a person whose attitude and behavior is uninfluenced by consideration of another's rank, their power, their wealth, and so on. We are not influenced in those things when dealing with people, but our society has become godless, so they have forgotten what James is teaching here. They are ignoring James's command to not show favoritism. The world worships the successful, the strong, the wealthy, and they despise the person who is poor. Sadly to say, a Christian must not show 
partiality to the person of wealth and position. However, because showing such favoritism is not only a breach of good manners and a discourtesy to the poor, but it's also a sin. Worshiping worldly success breaks the law of God, and that is a sin, folks. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, we are commanded to love our neighbor as ourself. This is love of love and is a royal law. And we'll get into that in James uh, verse 8 of chapter 2. Now, it comes from heaven's royalty, where we are not only to admire and respect others, but also to love them as we do our own selves. To disobey God's law is a sin. It is natural to gloss over sin, to excuse yourself for something you have done. That's the old sin nature. There's an old saying that goes, I haven't broken any laws, but I have fractured one or two. But James says that whosoever obeys the law but makes a single slip is guilty of them all. That person is a lawbreaker. Now, if you go to court for a speeding ticket, you don't plead that you kept all of the laws except for just that one time of speeding. Now, when you go for a speeding ticket, they're only concerned with that particular violation that you committed, that time you were speeding, not any other laws that you may or may not have kept. But you're still classified as a lawbreaker because you broke that law. Let's give another example. I, I remember many times when a car has broken down and we needed to pull the car back home or, or to a shop to get repairs made so we could continue on our way. And sometimes we would hook up a chain to the car. And of course, we would attach the other end to that chain to another vehicle so that we could be pulled to either get to a shop or to get back home. Now, the chain had links in it little individual pieces that interlock together. So if I have a chain and that one link is no good because one of those links is broken, then that chain does me no good to pull my car home. The chain is useless. So just because we have many links, it only takes one weak link to render the entire chain useless. So now we are ready to start unpacking chapter two. Now, quickly to review back in chapter 1, verses 19 through 27, James showed the importance of putting spiritual truth into practice. In each of the following sections, he discusses at some length the application of the word of truth to a specific aspect of life. Now, beginning in chapter 2, at least with the first 13 verses, Jesus uh, James shows how partiality or discrimination violates the standard of God's truth. So let's go ahead and start unpacking the book of James with chapter 2. Beginning with verse 1, it says, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, You sit here in a good place. And say to the poor man, You stand there or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with 
evil thoughts. Those were the first four verses of James chapter 2. So let's get back to verse 1, and let's visit about that. James first addresses the readers of this letter as brethren. So that indicates to us that he is talking to believers, because he's calling them brethren, fellow brothers. James is going to begin by talking about faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, which this is our Christian faith. James starts his discussion of partiality by a prohibition. James says, don't show favoritism, or if you are, stop showing favoritism. My brethren, in your practice of the Christian faith, don't show partiality, James says. Now remember, James is addressing the 12 tribes of the Christian Jews that are scattered in the Mediterranean area. These are the recipients of this letter, and they were guilty of practicing discrimination. And we know this because of verse 6, which we'll get into in just a little bit. Now, snobbery and caste distinctions, or social class distinctions, if you will, are inconsistent with true Christianity. Contempt for others because of their birth, their race, sex, poverty, what have you, is a practical denial of faith. Partiality is consistent with faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. To say that practice and favoritism contradicts one's profession of faith is another way of saying that one's action doesn't measure up to the truth one professes to believe. The stress on Christ as glory heightens the gross inconsistency of allowing uh, with faith in such an exalted person as Christ. It's the obligation of the Christian to give practical expression to the truth that all believers are one in Christ Jesus. Now arriving here in verse 2, James gives an illustration of two men. James says, suppose a man comes into your assembly. Now some of our listeners may have the word meeting instead of assembly, but the meaning is the same. It's still referring to a synagogue, which had primary reference to the Jewish synagogue. Now, this meaning isn't to be taken literally as an indication that the Jewish Christians were still meeting in synagogue buildings. You see, after leaving the synagogue, the Jewish Christians no doubt continued to refer to their church meetings as a synagogue. It was their habit, if nothing else. A modern-day comparison this would be the word church. I remember during Hurricane Katrina, many of the people were without a church building, but many still got together to worship in those places they gathered. They still referred to them as church, even though in some cases it may have been just a tent set up. As we continue here in verse 2, we have James illustrating two men entering this early assembly. Now, the first man is wearing gold rings and fine clothes. The rings and the fine clothes are describing a rich man, or maybe even a dignitary. In sharp contrast, we're also introduced to the second man, who is described as wearing filthy clothes, which is referring to a poor man. This poor man was looking shabby and probably, in reality, was a beggar who may have been homeless, which is why his clothes were described as filthy. Now to end this chapter for this time, we will leave off here with verse 3. 
The description of the two men is leading us into this verse 3. We're going to save that till next time when we start unpacking chapter 2 a little bit more. But I want to thank you for listening. And until next time, God bless you all. And keep living Christian strong.